0: welcome to. We have ways of making you talk with me, Al Murray, and James Holland, who is stateside in. Uh, where are you, Jim? Carlisle, Pennsylvania, not to be confused with Carlisle Lake District
2: or Carlisle, <laughs> Cumbria. Um, and I'm staying in a Civil War house. They they're very proud of their Civil War heritage over here. Yeah. And right. um, and if it, if it was around in you know the 1860s, then it says. Civil War house and a plaque on the outside.
0: Excellent. Are you um, are you a Confederate in the attic then, Jim? Is that where you are?
2: <laughs> I really am. And <laughs> look at this room. I mean, you, you, I mean, uh, I know this is audio only, but but um, it's very green and it's got lots of rose wallpaper all over the place, including on the ceiling. Lovely. And all the furniture. All the furniture is dark brown and it's got yep. a sort of sort of seventies meets
0: Dickensian kind of vibe to it. Lovely. So it's all quite gloomy. But you're not having a gloomy time because you've been sitting, uh, uh, we're obviously, inevitably, we have a We Have Ways WhatsApp, ladies and gentlemen, um, with, where the team, uh, plan and discuss and, uh, share photographs and stuff. And we have had a torrent of documents from Jim photographed, uh, on the WhatsApp, some of which have been truly extraordinary to read, uh, James. You're, you're having the time, you're having the time of your life in that archive, aren't you?
2: Uh, well, I had, I've had a great time. I've been, um, so I, I went straight into Charleston, um, South Carolina, and I was staying yep. with James Scott, friend of the show, and uh, now much, much firmer friend generally. Um, he's a lovely guy. His family are great. He lives in a really beautiful part of um, a sort of suburb, I suppose, of, of, yep. um, of Charleston called Mount Pleasant, and had a great couple of days with him. And also at the, um, uh, at the Citadel, which is where all the Mark Clark papers are, yep. which is the College of the South. The papers were absolutely fantastic. I mean, really just some amazing stuff. And, you know, I was sending over various bits and pieces as they were coming through, yep. including sort of hand-pencil-written hand, hand pencil written letters by Monty, but also kind of notes yeah. on morale and all sorts of stuff and attitudes. Well, it's that, morale,
0: it's that morale note that um, I, I really wanted to talk about. I mean, it's absolutely extraordinary piece of paper. Well,
2: let, let's get on to that for, in a bit. But the other thing that was really fantastic was um, he has these huge photo albums. Huge, great big things. They're probably about kind of, you know, two and a half feet tall by, you know, one and a half feet wide. And they're just stuffed full of photos. So I've, you know, I've taken nearly a thousand. And photos of the photos. Yeah. So many of them that you're given such a vivid impression of the changing seasons, you know, from September all the way through to kind of, you know, the fall of Rome. And the conditions in which they're fighting. I was thinking, God, this is like literally one of the, you, you couldn't ask for a better tool for someone who's yeah. trying to sort of describe what it was like fighting there. Yeah, yeah. And you certainly get the impression of where, you know, very clear, uh, clear idea from where Bill Malden gets his cartoons of sort of Bill and Joe from. Yeah, That kind of lugubriousness. There's a, there's a photo I found of a whole load of GIs sort of standing in the rain waiting in the chow line. Yeah. I mean it's just straight out of one of his cartoons. But also, just a you know, the, the, lots of views of mules
0: going up into the mountains and just gargantuan
2: amounts of destruction. Yeah. And
0: but that's uh, the it, that, you know, that's the striking been the striking thing for you, hasn't it? It's the destruction, yeah. isn't it? It's it's, it's, it's it's unbelievable. You're starting to because um, because last time we spoke, I think you, you're really starting to ask questions about the Italian campaign and and how you've come from that. Essentially, although you 've come from tunisia where, where where there are people of course um yep. but, but you 've essentially come from a desert campaign where you 're not you 're not slogging your way through cities you 're not having to decide whether to flatten naples or or not yep. or whatever, and you know of course there's, and of course there is inevitably and i think I think you have to bear this in mind that 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 there is an attitude shift that you 're now in a European country and one that one that is uh you know, Italy, because of its Roman heritage, is glamorized in the Western mind, isn't it? As an important place culturally, and and the Renaissance and all that. Somewhere you need to take somewhere you need to take proper care of before you shell it, shell the shit out of it, basically, and all that. In a way that actually, in the De- in the North Africa, Libya, um, Tunisia, no one's really thinking. No one's thinking like that at all, are they? They're no, not giving that not a minute's all. thought. They're thinking about destroying the German army any which which way they can. Yeah. And they come to Italy and there is a and, and, and there is a there is a cultural collision immediately with the fact yep. it's a European country but also they've got a way of war that's been working for them now for the best part of a year so they're probably going to stick to it aren't they because after all especially the British have finally feel that they've finally cracked it they've finally figured out how to defeat the Germans after 2 years of being given having their tail pulled comprehensively all over all over that theatre in particular so you can see why when they get to Italy you know you think well we'll stonk we'll stonk that place regardless but then they're they're caught in the fact that there is a population there and there is there is this idea that Italy is an important is a cultured place and that's what I'm driving at isn't it is that you know, it's a Eurocentric view of of a battlefield as well.
2: Yeah, there's, there's 44 million people in Italy. Yeah, you know, so yeah. it's it's, it's um, and Naples is one of the most densely populated cities in the whole of Europe, if not in the entire yeah. world. Yeah. So this is what you're this is what you're suddenly dealing with, and the, and obviously the firepower-heavy kind of way of war is. Yeah is great from the point of view of kind of trying to save as many lives as possible of your own side, but not great in terms of trying to kind of keep destruction down. Yeah. And of course, the Germans are destroying everything as well as they're retreating, because that's, kind of, yeah. you know, yeah. that's the whole point, trying to slow down the Allies. Yeah, And you've got this landscape, which is literally just a spine of mountains just spreading yeah. down either side to the coast on this very narrow yeah. peninsula. And you can just see how they've they've, they've got themselves into this terrible pickle this terrible problem that, that they've got to do something because they're in the mediterranean with these vast amounts of forces yeah overlord is not until may yeah and it's different from a land campaign it's different from the eastern front where you can stop and start whenever you like because you're just on land everything about the
0: which with the western allies do is about shipping and dependent yeah. on shipping because the whole and thing's an exp- the whole thing is an expeditionary force the entire thing everywhere the they go the whole thing yeah yeah, they've yeah, got their backs to the it, Urals. And, and that, yeah, right. So that means
2: you can't just sort of go, okay, should we just pause for six weeks, gather our thoughts, and then kind of crack on again in October? It doesn't work like that. You, yeah. you've just got to, you know. So the mounting of an expedition uh, of a of an operation is a much bigger undertaking. It involves amphibious landings, which are unbelievable. But of course, that's not really washing with the Soviet Union nope. and the Red Army and
0: Stalin, and it's well, not
2: really washing with with the with the people in the corridors of of Whitehall and Washington yeah, well, either, fa- because famously just seeing,
0: famously Stalin compares D-Day to a river crossing he he he, he 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 he's going what's the problem what's your problem here
2: yeah but the problem is you've got to do something uh, and yeah. actually the weird thing is is that the Italian campaign very quickly actually fulfills its aims it does draw off large numbers of German troops um it does keep the pressure on um but it also keeps the pressure on the Allies as well and their ability to mount other operations. And the problem is, don't forget that, that yes, 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 it's kind of, you know, Germany first. But it's, but quite often it isn't actually Germany yeah. first in terms of resources. Yeah. It's quite often Pacific first. And there's a whole tranche of kind of high-level um, US commanders, whether it be MacArthur or whether it be King, um, yeah. who absolutely wanted to be Pacific first. So there's, the demands of global shipping are just um, just absolutely immense. And I think... I've, I've been sort of reading a little bit of kind of secondary sources. Uh, I've been looking at Rick Atkinson and, and yeah. Jackson and, and various others, but I'm going to try and keep off that because I don't want to have my mind clouded by kind of what other people are writing. But what's yeah. absolutely clear is that, is, is that the shipping thing is, is a nod is taken to shipping, but it is aren't the Allies stupid for kind of realizing that not yeah, realizing yeah. this and, and all this kind of stuff and all the Anglophobia and, yeah. you know, Americophobia and all the tensions and all yeah. the rest of it. And what's, what's really amazing is A, those tensions don't don't exist in the way that people kind of present them. Yeah. And B, it's just not taking into account the real politic of the situation, which is you've got to do something and actually there is a point to this beyond it. It's just that it just turns into a kind of misery fest in very, very quick order. Yeah, yeah. Because the priority resources is going to the building up of the airfields at Foggia. Yeah. And partly that's because the number one strategic aim is, is to get air forces in there, strategic air forces in there as quickly as possible to tighten the noose around, around Germany. Yeah, yep. But the second reason is because they think it's going to be an easier fight than it is. And, and yeah. you know, they've just underestimated it. Uh, and that's because they think, you know, the German will's gone and that they're going to retreat to the pisa Remini line and all, this, yeah. uh, and all this sort of stuff. So it's it sort of... The, res, the way the Italian campaign folds out in the kind of the, the first... The, the latter end of 1943 and the very beginning of 1944 is... It's a kind of sort of, it's an accumulation of a misappreciation. If you still have, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than, you know, any particular commander lacking grip or or anything like that. It's not. It's not that they're doing a bad job. It's just that the circumstances are so massively stacked against rapid progress, and, and there's no way around that. And, and you know, it's all very well, kind of, Brooke going into, you know, saw such and such. He was lacking grip. I mean, it's just. It's just absolutely awful.
0: It, w- yeah, whichever it's an way you extraordinarily look at it, tall it, order, the whole thing. The whole
2: thing, in a way that, that, that Sicily wasn't. and They're, they're so overcompensate with Sicily in terms of how many troops and resources and, and making sure that it's not a cock-up and all the rest of it. But they're not in that position to do that, to give it that same level of, of, of support. Um, yeah. Be- because by this point, things are really turning towards Overlord, which is due to happen the following May. And operations in the in the Pacific, and you can understand why they're oper- they're changing the Pacific because suddenly they're on the charge. You know they they you know the tide is well, turning. You want got, to well, because you've got and- well because you've
0: well because you've got to do something. Uh, the, the, exactly the same point you're making about the Mediterranean. You've got to do something. You've got to um, exploit your advantages or or, or right exactly. or, or, or bet on your bet on the progress you've made. And the, and you know nothing c- seeds like success. And strategic yeah. momentum is as important as anything else. I mean, it, I think it's the other thing I think is really 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 interesting because when you when you when you were posting from Mark Clark's um, uh, uh, archive, you know someone popped up and said he was a lousy general. Look it up, and I replied, "He's in the archive, looking it up." Right, like, like yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, like help, help me out here. But, was a, <laughs> but, but but the thing is, Rome, you know, Rome inevitably people go. Oh, he did this. He did. He let the Germans go to take Rome. But if you're talking in terms He just of,
2: so didn't. Well, well, <laughs> just, well, well, well. well, it, well, well yeah, I, know, Jim, I know, Jim. I
0: know, Jim. But but, the thing is, is even if he did, right, strategy at some point has to enter the political realm, or in fact, actually, if it, it, it is it, uh, strategy occu- lives in the political realm. And you know as well as I do, if you can deliver a capital city... If your strategy can deliver you a capital city, it's it's basically irresistible as a thing to do. You know, you I mean, you you could argue there was no point um, uh, diverting to Paris when you're chasing the here out of the Falaise Gap. You could argue that's a distraction. You could argue that what you ought to be doing is really is diverting absolutely all of your effort to to destroying the here as they try and escape the Falaise Gap, rather than getting diverted to Paris. But but. Come off it, <laughs> you know the the the, the, politi- the political element of your strategy says capital cities capital cities really matter, and so you can see completely what you want to make it look like you're making progress in Italy, and if you've taken Rome, that that sure as shit makes it look like you're making progress, right? I mean, it, it, well, the the, the 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 thing about the thing about and that Rome, your strategy is delivering that your strategy is delivering victories and results. <laughs> In the in the
2: pre-plan for Diadem, which is the, the the May attack to break Casino and take Rome. Yeah. Sixth Corps, which has been at Anzio since whatever it was, the twenty second of January. Yeah. Um, is supposed to burst out, cut across and cut Route Six, which is the Via Casalina, which is the yep. main road going up the Liri Valley up into directly into Rome and go straight to Valmontoni. And cut the retreat of the German 10th Army, which is the army that has been facing off the Allies at Casino. The problem is, because 8th Army have got stuck in the Leary Valley, and because the French on their flank, and then US 2 Corps on their flank, have gone much faster, the German 10th Army has not used the Via Casalina as a retreating point. It's using other routes which are further inland. Mm. So by going to Valmontoni, you're not actually re- stopping the 10th Army from retreating. Not a single German soldier has retreated down the down the Highway Six. So the situation has changed. So you obviously then have to respond to that. On the other hand, as you're breaking out of out of um, Anzio and doing that drive towards the Highway Six, you're running. Your your flank is facing the 14th Army. In the Auburn Hills on the Caesar Line, which is the mm. neck defensive line, so instead of risking his arm, his um, sixth corps, he turns and faces them, mm. and in so doing, destroys Fourteenth Army, and in the process of destroying Fourteenth Army, gets into Rome. Yeah. Now, you know, it's like, what's not to like? I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 10th Army has been very, very badly mauled in the casino battles, but has escaped up a different route. But a bonus to Diadem, which wasn't in the pre-battle plan, is the destruction of 14th Army, which is at the hands of Mark Clark's 6th Corps and part of his 5th Army. You know, and you think, hang on a minute, and you're criticising him for this. This just seems insane. I mean, what's a guy got to do? He's taken Rome. He's destroyed 14th Army. Um, I would have thought, you know... Pats on the back is kind of what's required.
0: Well, and also here, given kind of injuring, well, injuring well, criticism. Gi- well, and also given the focus is on is on uh, is on um, Overlord to do that and go. Actually, hello, there's the theatre here still that's costing us an awful lot of blood and money and effort, um and we and we've delivered a, a major victory. You know, one way or another, Rome is a, Rome is a, is an extraordinary victory. You know, well, for, it is. It's the bi- It's the biggest Allied victory on land to that point. And they haven't Allied victory. their way into it by obliterating the place. And you know, d- 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 no, not at all. Because you know, because I think cause I think it is very interesting this Allied way of war thing. That if you're relying on firepower, then what's going to happen is you're going to flatten you're going to flatten places. If you can't convince the enemy to engage in maneuver warfare, which is essentially this is essentially the, the the problem in Italy, isn't it? You just, they just mm. can't quite convince the Germans to, to engage in maneuver warfare. And then we come to Normandy, and that sort of the same thing happens. You know, and of course, it's to France's immense benefit in the long run that the Germans decide to fight a static defense line in France, isn't it? Because only Normandy gets smashed up. That doesn't extend to the whole of the rest of the country. You know, it's only, it's Caen and it's, it's Saint Laud, Caen. Um, not even Bayer, because Bayer falls without that kind of confrontation, but but you know what I mean? Yeah. It's,
2: it's that, uh, I mean, those pictures, those are incredibly vivid coloured pictures of San Lowe. Yeah. Which is just utterly destroyed. It's destroyed. I um, mean, it's and, like something out of, uh, out, out of Syria, you know, yeah. it looks like a leper.
0: Well, or, or, or Maripol. I mean, th- this is the yeah, thing, you, yeah. you, were, you know, because uh, you were saying in your messages, you were saying the destruction in Italy was really making you think of Ukraine and really making you think of the stuff we've seen from UK, Ukraine. And after all, um the boots on the other foot here because it's the it's the american and americans and british and and the the allied way of war which is to stonk, stonk somewhere you know to shell it heavily to to or and bomb it to move on and if it's an urban area, so be it you know they they they're doing that, aren't well, they? Well,
2: yes, and those, those pictures I was sending over, there's that sequence from San Pietro. And San Pietro is, a, is yeah. a kind of famous, infamous place, Not partly because Ernie Parle is there, partly because John Houston yeah. comes along. Um, he's over there to do a film about the capture of Rome and ends up doing, because yeah. it does, isn't captured till for a further six months, he ends up doing a, um, um, a a film called San Pietro. Yeah. And the village itself is still there, but in ruins. So you can walk down those narrow streets. You know, there's, there's certain shots where I kind of go, I know exactly where that is. <laughs> and know, it's, it's is just... that that's the and, sa-
0: and so if you Google Maps that is that no, the San Pietro that's um, east of Taranto? on the uh, uh, on no, the, it's on the, the San
2: Pietro which is just it's literally a couple of miles south of um, Casino, right, um, cool. and, and, and it's very beautiful. It's Got on it. the side of, of Monte San murco and, and it's just completely ruined. I mean, it's just yeah. you know no one ever went back there, um, and, and they rebuilt the the village sort of below it yeah a a modern village right and and there's an incredibly upsetting picture of a dead San Pietran woman on the ground you know in the road and a GI leaning over you know squatting down beside her yeah and it's just it's absolutely gut-wrenching and and I suppose it's more gut-wrenching because of the scenes we've seen from kind of Butcher and Isium and Maripol and all the rest of it um and you just think crikey you know we haven't moved on at all in many ways Mm. um but but you, but to just very briefly go back to back to Mark Clark. I mean, I'm just not quite sure where this kind of sort of this. I think this reputation has come from memoirs that appeared after the war, really, and it's partly because of the Texans and the crossing of the Rapido. But actually, again, you know, you start looking at this. Uh, you know, I've been reading this account by a chap called Hamilton House, who's a tank battalion commander. Yeah, um, I think the seven hundred from I can't remember which which tank battalion it is off the top of my head, yeah. but they're sitting there to giving to give support and they're never called upon. And then there's one of these. And then I, I sent you yesterday the the Ronnie Spears one, but there's yeah. this this I had never heard of this, but I've just come across it. Fort Benning, which is one of the kind of you know the great um, training, yes,
0: yeah, the, 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 um, the, the great the great awesome. I mean,
2: Officer place, yeah. They had post-war. They were doing their kind of staff courses, their higher staff courses, and they had to, you know, each of the of the officers that was at this staff course had to do, uh, or this officer training course had yeah. to do, had to submit um, a paper. Yeah. And, Of course, they're all doing it on places that they they took part in, and there is one on the account of the of the Rapido, and and there is absolutely no question that the officer here in the in this one from the from the thirty-sixth, I think he's from the one hundred forty-third regiment. Yeah. Which is um, the one that kind of attacks? If I remember rightly, north of Sant'Angelo, Which is there's an attack north of this little village, which is on this outcrop overlooking the update. Yep. And then there's one. There's a 141st attack south. Maybe the other way around, but I think that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. He's basically saying that the, the problem was all to do with the lack of coordination between the infantry and the engineers. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and I also know. In addition to that, one of the other problems is, is that they've got all this firepower, and they're not using it in the right way. You know, because what you've got is you've got the you've got the river, which is quite you know has these quite steep sides, and yeah. so is a bit of a faff to get across. although okay, yeah. it's not terribly wide, but you've got this little kind of floodplain either side of it. And then the ground rises again, you know, a couple of hundred yards or whatever beyond the, on the far side. And of course, on the high ground, that's where your machine guns are. And, your, and, and on the low ground are sort of mines and wire and all the rest of it. Because it's such an obvious crossing point. Mm. And uh, unlike um, the French at, um, uh, at Sedan, for example. And what you needed was people doing suppressing fire onto those machine gun places and, and saturate the ground on the other side and all the rest of it. And that just doesn't happen. So you've basically got infantry crossing a deep, you know, a, a deep but narrow river. Yeah, straight into fields of machine gun fire. It's kind
0: of no wonder they all got slaughtered. Yeah, I mean the but, thing but, is, but, but,
2: but that is not the army commander's fault.
0: No, 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 no. That's 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 uh, lower down. That's the point. Yeah, lower down the food chain. Uh, the th- the thing is though, uh the, the, the terrain in Italy is is essentially that problem again and again and again and again and, and again. again and again. Yeah. Like utterly relentlessly, you're you're facing physical physical obstacles that you that you've got to. Um, uh, that you 've got to overcome you need you need your engineers and and your uh, and your infantry talking to each other properly. your artillery 's permanently on the move because so there 's obviously gaps between you know or it 's leapfrogging permanently, so you can 't bring all your firepower on paper firepower to bear because some of it 's moving some of it 's shooting you, you, you know there's there 's this sort of because 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 it is this ridge line to ridge line thing you 've every single time you reset. And every single time you reset in worse shape, don't you? Because because you've had... Yeah,
2: and the the guy who... The officer that writes this report of the Rapido, everything he writes in it is referenced. And then every so often it goes, personal experience. (laughs) 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 And, And there's a bit that says... And as we advance to this, you know, we're going. You know, first of all, we had to cross the Volturno, which was a really tough fight. And every, you know, you're in, you're spending nights out in in the rain, um, on rocks, on mountainsides. And beyond that, there's another ridge of mountains. Mm. And beyond that, there's another ridge of mountains. <laughs> At the bottom, the reference is personal experience, and you kind of think that's the problem. Yeah. Uh, and and obviously, morale takes up takes a massive hit because. Yeah because I well, we... wouldn't and if, and if you're looking at your three m's I, I would say that the problem with the winter of the italian campaign is that those three m's start to get a little bit broken
0: well should we should we take a quick break and come back to that because there's a yeah. fascinating document from before the winter which is the other interesting thing um we'll see you in a tick elevate every
1: morning with tommy john's second skin underwear
0: Welcome back to We Have Ways of Making You Talk with me, Al Murray, and James Holland. Of course, James, who is uh, somewhere in the deep south, um, his nose in an archive. Um, uh, and you went <laughs> to see James and Scott the other day, didn't you?
2: So, so I saw James Scott and I talked to him. Then I I drove up from yeah, and then I went round the Yorktown and the and the USS Laffey, which is a, a destroyer. I mean, they were both sort of so lives in, in the Cold War as well. but yeah. obviously, I was looking through my kind of my World War Two prison. <laughs> and um uh, so that was good fun and then I had a great time with james I actually did a podcast with him about the uh the war below and and the submarines which was just yeah. fantastic then drove up to um uh carlisle pennsylvania via bedford um and bedford virginia is where yeah. the national d-day memorial is and of course you know why is yeah. it there well it's because of the bedford boys you know those 2021 20, yeah. that were were killed on d-day um and and it's a, it's it's incredibly affecting and, and moving and all the rest of it. And I went, then I went into the little town um, museum that they've created, which is in Green's Drug Store. Green's Drug Store is where they had the Telegram office. And right. it wasn't until the 17th of July that they got, that you know, the ticker tape all started coming in. Right. And the girl was having to paste the lines of the ticker tape onto the little bits of paper. Right. And suddenly realised it was kind of one after the other of these yeah. boys that they all knew. Yeah. And you know Bedford was a town of about 3000 so you know really small farming community yeah, in the yeah, Appalachians yeah. you know really lovely and suddenly this absolute tragedy just just befalls them and mm. including you know um, a pair of brothers who were killed and they're all literally sorted you know they're all company A so they're of the, of the um of the 116th and they're all right. you know they're all um they're all sorted on that 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 opening sequence attacking the Verville draw at the the western end of Omaha Beach but again it's you know it's like 6 weeks later that they they all find out because they're just missing in action god that's the problem that's yeah, horrendous. Yeah, yeah. So it? anyway, so that was all very moving. And then I drove on up to, um, up to Carlisle. The hell of a drive, I've got, I'm not going to lie. Um, but up here in Carlisle, and this is the um, U.S. Army War College, which, of course, is where Mike Nyberg works. It's where mm-hmm. Tammy Davis Biddle works. Caught up with them last night, which was great, and a couple of other historians, both of whom were confusingly called Mark. But one's an economic historian. The other one is um, uh, big strategy stuff. Yeah. But he's actually uh, – second Mark was a, is, a, is a black historian, and he wants to come on the show and talk about um, – uh africa the experience of african-americans uh troops in australia oh wow i said i said all over like, that like a rash yeah please come on oh and wow yeah that'd be cool that sorted up and and tammy wants to talk about a about the b29 yes um and 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 her view is that by the time it was effective it was you know it was too late oh. um uh, for uh, and the amount of resources. I mean, we were talking about shit. Yes, yeah, yeah, service, yeah. Right? yeah. And, and she was saying, well, you know, just think how many LSTs you could have had for the cost yeah. of the, the B-29 project. Yeah. And the other yeah. thing she wants to talk about is is the experience of Bomber crews, of, of what it was like. How do you cope with having to kind of, you know, one minute being in the in the, in the cinema or in Lincoln with your sweetheart, um, yeah. and the next minute having to go on this sort of terrifying 10-hour well, trip. Well, well funny like enough. juxtaposition.
0: Well, funny enough, the way Max was talking about that the other day made me really made me really ponder. You know that the, the the bomber, you know, the fighter boys were all like, "Tally ho!" and the bomber lads were all, you know, it's yeah. one long walk to the gallows, basically. That well, know. yes, and
2: that's absolutely clear when you look at the the accounts, particularly from in the Eighth Air Force. Yeah, the fighter pilots are having the time of their lives. I mean, yeah. you know, forget Goodbye Mickey Mouse by Len Dayton. I mean, you know, this is yeah. really that they're, they're having an absolutely superb time. Yeah. Um, really, um, yeah. compared to the bomber crews, they're all kind of you know morale is is, is plummeting by the end of nineteen
0: forty three. Right, really. right, okay. So on the subject of plummeting morale, yes. you you sent uh, an extract from uh, an extract from the monthly sanitary report thirteenth August. 1943. Oh, great!
2: So you've got it because I haven't got that in front
0: of got me. Got it in front of me. Thirty first of, of August nineteen forty three. Right. So not, you you were saying, of course, come the winter, morale takes a plummet. But that's possibly because morale is poised to plummet. Um, mm. uh, because they're not quite on top of it, is the interesting thing. So this yep. is, uh, you know, a confidential equals British confidential, so it's crossed out at the top of it, declassified in September uh, 58. And this is um, attitudes and b- beliefs observed in officers and enlisted men with comments on morale. The following general beliefs and attitudes have been have frequently, have very frequently been noted in discussions with patients. One, that they have been expended without consideration for their rest and safety. One of the most frequent complaints met with is that veteran troops were not given sufficient rest after the Tunisian campaign. I mean, that is, is really interesting. And, of course... And, one, and
2: hard to argue with.
0: Well, well but also one has, to, one has to wonder what would be sufficient rest. Um, you know, because if you've been in combat, you might think, well, that's... That's plenty of that. Thank you very much. Um, uh, time for a rest. Um, two, the certain troops were doing all. The certain troops are doing all the fighting, particularly their own units. This belief was widespread amongst First Division men. I mean, that's got to be a common soldier's complaint that we're doing all the work and the blokes in the line along net for, next to us haven't got their finger out and aren't, aren't really taking part properly. And you know, we 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 did the hard bit, and that must be that must be. A, a complaint as old as time, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, and it, and it and it further manifests itself a couple of months later when they're yeah. in, when fifty first division men are transferred from the fifty first Highland Division to the forty sixth and the fifth. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, My thought goes, you know what? You can get stuffed. Yeah, three. There was a deep seated conviction on the part of part first division men that they had been promised to be returned to the United States after the Tunisian campaign. Well, that goes back to the first point, doesn't it? That um you know, uh, uh, what's the rest they think would be appropriate? If it's going home? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. quite interesting, right? And then it, and then we get into then we get into the sort of m- morale, keep you know the caretaking of morale nitty gritty, for the places of recreation, um, uh, were not provided and existing places were put out of bounds. See, that's that's where we get we get into the into the. Mm. The the nitty gritty five that pest exchange supplies were not available. So the men are saying there's no rest, there's no recreation for them. The pest exchange, so they they've got problems with lice and stuff. So they feel foul. They don't feel looked and up. and, mozzies. and, mozzies. and mozzies. They don't feel looked after. Um, that they've been frequently fired on by their own artillery, bombed and strafed by their own planes. Well, it's the US military. What am I going to say? Um, that that I mean, although you know. That's the thing in Peter White's book is, is his list, his list of um, men killed in with the jocks, most of it's 25 pounder, um, are, uh, as far as he's concerned, it's British artillery, you know or a sizable portion anyway um yeah. uh, so you know that's a common problem but 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 what strikes me is the r- places of recreation, pest supplies, they're things you can do something about in the rough and tumble of of warfare, friendly fire, especially during this period of the war. It's just it's part and parcel of, of stuff. And also, how are they really to know? Um, uh, number seven: that following the Tunisian campaign, they did not receive recognition for their efforts or heroic deeds in inverted commas. They noted this especially in the attitude of civilians of nearby communities. So basically, the nearby communities aren't pleased to see them and don't feel that they've been liber- liberated. But that may well be because the local communities have had their villages destroyed, and you know, and a great big, great big, dirty, destructive army showing up out of nowhere and taking your chickens might not, might not make you think they're particularly heroic. I mean, the, 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 the sort of, the, you know, these are listed as points, but there's so, so many boundaries and blurred edges to all these points, aren't there? A, to definite a definite fear of replacement centres was frequently noted. The patients dreaded the uncertainty of placement, long periods of inactivity an and inability of replacement centres to handle their cases without due delay. That is well, you fun- get that with
2: Spike Milligan, don't you? When yeah. he gets, gets sandfly fever. And, yeah, he's, exactly. and eventually he has to go, come and get me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He can't get out, can he? And he doesn't know where he's going to end up and all that. That's, I mean, I think that's really, really interesting because because what, what we've got at the top is people saying, I've done enough fighting, thanks. I thought I was going back to America. But actually they're going, I want to be with my unit. When I'm in a replacement centre, I don't like it. I find it disruptive and disturbing
2: loads just, of blokes i don't know they're not
0: my mates I, and I, I dreaded the uncertainty of placement and they're dreading that even as at the same time as they're saying can't you send us home and i think yeah. that's really interesting because that, that, they want that's, to be
2: sent home together that's the difference
0: exactly and they want to go back to their unit who they feel has done all the fighting and no one else has done any of the fighting. You know, if, if, if you, lo- if you logically extend the idea that the other units aren't fighting as hard, well, why wouldn't you want to be posted to one of those units? Well, you don't. You want to go back to your pals. You want to go back to the people mm. you've been training with. That's really the interesting. Human
2: emotion's not necessarily logical, is well, it?
0: Well, of course, but it's interesting because where are the straight lines to this? That, that, I mean, what's interesting is that the avoidable stuff is, managing these are questions of management the avoidable stuff i think you probably can never avoid the idea that soldiers think that they're doing all the fighting and the guys next door have got it easy you could probably never do anything about that That that's just like
2: you're always going to think everyone else has got better kit
0: exactly that's that feels to me like a fact of soldiering life and also a part of how you are a unit how you are cohesive you think you're the only ones doing the doing the effort it's part of how you're bound together as a group but but pest supplies that's a management problem that is a management logistical operational level problem right that you ought that you ought to be solving S- sorting out replacement centers that's a problem that you should be solving i mean i don't know how you convince the local civilians that you turning up and shelling everything is for their own good you know and and, and uh, of course in normandy there's all those reports of the sullen population you know, people not being particularly pleased to see us. And they're wondering if it's because, you know, because they're sympathetic to the Germans. I don't think it is. I think it's because they're unsympathetic to having their, their um, community destroyed. Their centuries-old
2: community completely <laughs> yeah,
0: wiped yeah. off the mat, <laughs> off the yeah. map, for, yeah. in order to winkle out a company of, uh, of pans of grenadiers or whatever. Um, then we go on. Many Nine, many patients entertain the belief that they've been improperly classified originally and not been given the work they were best suited to do. Again, that strikes me as... That's the that's armies. That's how people feel about armies. Is I should well, have been an th- engineer. Th- the thing
2: particularly about the about the US Army. If you're if you're if you've got any kind of technical skill whatsoever, you're yeah. whittled off to be a kind of yeah. ground crew or, yeah. you know, some technical role. Yeah. Um, if you're uh, if you're if you're bright and clever you tend to kind of end up in the air forces or the yeah. navy or whatever yeah. i mean yeah. you know there is this this sense that it is absolutely the grunts that are sent to the certainly yeah. sent to the infantry and it's the infantry that are doing all the hard yards you know that's yeah. the problem i mean you, you, you know i came across this um casualties within the 34th red bull division who yeah. had been throughout tunisia yeah. uh, but not in sicily um, between the twenty eighth of December and I think the first of February or something like that. And overall they lost thirty seven percent of their their division yep. in that month. Yeah. But amongst rifle companies it's sixty-seven point two. Yeah. You know, yeah. so why would your morale be good? Well well exactly. I mean, I mean so, you so know, but to, to today if if a if a division or a brigade is down to thirty you know, has got thirty percent casualties, it's you would think it's no combat, longer.
0: Combat combat ineffective, yeah. Yeah. I mean the thing yeah. is is the thing is 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 of course, if you're an infantryman, you wish you were driving a truck. I mean, <laughs> yes. I could yeah. drive. You know, it's it's not it's yeah. you know. The, I mean, it, but it's re- but it's interesting that 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 this is being expressed, it's being logged, and it's be and it is being fed into um, the system. Right, the point ten. There was an undue delay in being paid and delivery of mail. Well, and there you go. Bad admin, bad management. That that um that's something you have to solve. Equals. Bad morale. Because bad morale. You absolutely have to fix that. Because a big component of morale is the men feeling that they're not that no one cares about them. And if they mm. feel that, that that no one cares about them, then they don't matter. The war doesn't matter. Nothing matters. And your morale goes gurgling down a plug hole. And, and, and what am I
2: doing in this shit pit anyway?
0: Yeah, I haven't got. I haven't got the letter from my sweetheart. I was promised. They, they're lying. They're, the people in charge are lying to me because they told me they would be male. And it breaks. It inevitably breaks down. It breaks down trust, so which has to break down combat effectiveness. I'm I'm not going to fight for that because they don't give. They don't care. These people who are telling me what to do because I I don't care about them, and they don't care about me. And maybe what we've seen, you know, again, it's impossible to really know what's going on in Ukraine. But the 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 signs that Russian morale has fallen in on itself must surely be to do this idea that they're not that they don't the people don't the army doesn't care about its men. And armies have, to, armies have to sometimes do things to show that they care, don't they? It's, it's sort of... Yeah, completely. Uh, 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 and like escape hatches on a Churchill tank tell you that the army cares about you. You know that, that,
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. You're not just driving, yeah, you're not just I, driving I a still coffin about. I, I, and I think the problem with, with all those problems which are highlighted at the end of August 1943 are then exacerbated by the winter in, in southern yeah. Italy. Uh, and there's also this sort of you know when you do get out of the front line you go back into kind of you know Caserta or back to Naples or whatever and all you see is vast numbers of troops who aren't fighting who are kind of base wallers and who are yeah yeah, you know and they're, they're shagging you know Italian girls and all this kind of stuff and you just think what the hell you yeah, know, what the heck? I mean, it's what? very interesting. Was the, I think I did? I sent it to you. There was this other thing about that Sherman tank? They're saying you know it hasn't got as good armor as even a Panzer IV and you know, yeah rubbish and you know, all the rest of it. And then the la- literally last line was, but the truth is, these guys are just all really tired. Yeah,
0: they want to rest, and because
2: they're constantly because they're constantly having to kind of do more with less in yeah. this theater than they are with the prioritization of you know, what's going on in the Pacific, but also in for, for, in the build up for Overlord. Everyone knows that, and that then builds up resentment, which then means that kind of small things get get exaggerated. And, and you know, that's, you know, a rumour comes out that Mark Clark's taken, taken Rome, and if he sees a British soldier, he's going to get shot, which is obviously total bollocks and, and mm. absolute Chinese whispers. Yeah. But it start, soon starts to spread, and, you know, you okay. can't stop it. And, you know, 80 years later, people are still saying that Mark Clark's rubbish.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Then point eleven among officers, the most common belief noted was that they had been improperly classified and were doing minor duties which could easily have been handled by officers of lower rank. In addition, recognition and promotions were not available as a reward for duties if efficiently performed. So basically, saying I've got all this bloody paperwork to do. Can't someone else do it? Why am I yeah. having to? Why am I having to do this? Which is a sort of a, a, another version of that improper, improperly classified originally for infantrymen. Wish they'd rather they'd drive a truck. It's basically, I mean, if you're an officer, you've so much to do. And again, it's the yeah. thing Max talked to the other day about Batman, you know, that... that, that yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got, you know, because after all, they're reading the mail that leads to this comments on morale type stuff, these officers, and logging it all and passing on. Right, yeah. and then, so then there are four... Com- there are four comments on morale at the bottom conclusions of this. One, many men, this is amazing... Many men do not have a clear understanding of what they are fighting for. There is a definite lack of understanding concerning the whole situation. And they do not know their role in the war. That's amazing, isn't it? That's August 1943. So the Americans have been in for 18 months or, you know, best part of nearly two years. And maybe it's because they're fighting in Europe that they don't know why they're fighting in Europe. You You know, maybe soldiers in the Pacific wouldn't say that. They'd know why they were fighting the Japanese, wouldn't they? because of Pearl Harbour, but they might not know why they're fighting the Germans. Yep. And certainly their fathers fought the Germans and no one really knows why, (laughs) you could argue. Um, uh, Yeah. Such an interesting... uh, Point two, they do not understand why they are sent overseas while millions of other soldiers remain in the United States.
2: Well, this was the other point that Tammy was making. She was saying, you know, best part of half a million men working on the B-29. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But all that B-29 stuff from James's book certainly strikes me as, you know, colossal sunk cost fallacy. Colossal, um, uh, you know, that people have staked their reputations on this thing so it's going to work rather than are we doing the right thing? (laughs) Yeah. You know, uh, and the power of that thinking to the point where the Air Force is trying to win an argument rather than the war. I find that, that so interesting and sort of... Uh, anyway, um, then uh, point three: passive, dependent trends have been fostered. What a phrase! What a what a phrase! Passive, passive dependent dif- dif- trends have been fostered. What does that mean? What well, does it mean? People aren't thinking for themselves; are being encouraged not to think for themselves. Uh, people aren't taking the initiative. They're being they're being passive. They're being dependent.
2: That's one of the byproducts of having a conscript army when you're putting kind of the lowest in the food chain and in, in the front line. Yeah. I keep my head down, mate. You know, why should, yeah. I, why should yeah. I bust a cut? I think, and that's, that's also um, that, that's obviously also connected to what the hell are we doing here? Well, and Therefore, that's I'm also connected very to
0: very my mail hasn't come. I'm dependent yeah. on the mail. I'm passively dependent on the mail. I'm passively yeah. de- dependent on on my light on my pest treatments, and they haven't come. I'm not going to do anything about it. Yeah, and that yeah. That, that that's re- that is that that's a. It's interesting because that, that phrase obviously means everything to the person reading this document. Like it's like yeah. absolute dingling ling-ling like we've got a real problem. Question and then point four. Rash promises have been made. Or false rumors allowed to spread without denial, etc., mm. that troops would be sent home after combat, especially in Tunisia. Yep. And it concludes. Yep it would appear that more education is required at home to give the soldier a clear understanding of the situation and what he is actually fighting for yeah
2: well that does change
0: i mean it's the most extraordinary thought passive dependent trends have been fostered because yeah, yeah, yeah. how Isn't do it? you how so cuz i mean after all you know and this is the this is what this 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 is absolute meat for Jo- this is raw meat for Jonathan Fennell, This this kind of document, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you well, send I think I sent it to him. as you well. You did send it to him, and he comes back going, "Wow, that dates really. The dates really, really striking. That this is this is the problem. Going it, you know, because we're go. It's it's going into the thirty first of August. So it's you know just this time of year. You're starting to go into the into the autumn. So the weather's get getting worse. it's getting wetter. The nights are getting longer. It's getting colder. You know, all things that that because after all, the Second World War. Operates in this very peculiar space where the campaigning season runs all year when it when it ought to stop. You yep. know, it's only in the, it's only in Burma really where the campaign season turns itself on for the when the monsoon stops, then turns itself off again when the monsoon starts again. So yep. I think it's strictly speaking. So I mean, it's I mean, it's it's very. I mean, this is a, this is an amazing document, Jim.
2: Yeah, well, and it's full of it, and then there's this whole piece by Mark Clark on kind of you know we haven't got the right attitude, you know, you've got to, you've got a, you know, you're supposed to be killing Germans, you know, don't yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, sort yeah, of, yeah, you know, you know, and, and and that's quite kind of tough talking. The other thing, I mean, yesterday I had a, a fascinating day because I spent literally the entire day looking at the John Lucas papers, which yeah. are vast, and fortunately, I mean, his diaries are fascinating, um, and, and also what's clear is is that. There's an awful lot of communi- personal face to face communication between all the serious commanders, whether it, yeah. uh, whether it you know, he's six core commander, but, you know, he's constantly talking to Troy Middleton yes. and, to, and to Keyes at two core and, you know, and um, Trusker and all these kind of people, uh, and face to face. And also, you know, Clark is beetling around as well, you know, sort of met with Clark, you know, he says this and, you know, I said that back. And, you know, there's, there's an awful lot of, of, of comms going on, which obviously reflects well, I think. Yeah. Um, the other thing that's really interesting is he kept all his G2 um, reports, which came in daily during the Anzio campaign, de- during the Anzio bridgehead. Yeah. And the G2 obviously is intelligence. So there's a kind of picture, you know, what do we know about the Germans, what's this? And and they have each of the G2 reports, which are issued at 8 o'clock every morning, um, they have a sort of summary of the situation, but then quite often they have add-ons, like we've discovered there's this new... Yeah. Um, division in the line, and here's some information about it. It was formed in such and such, but they also have loads and loads of translations of captured diaries and and stuff. On there's a whole thing on the uh, Panzer, um, um, uh, what do you call it, Panzerfaust? Yeah, uh, for example, that they've captured, um, which is interesting because I'm not sure. Yeah, no, it's the Panzer Shrek that they capture yeah. in Normandy, isn't it? Anyway. But let me tell you, the uh, you know, the captured diaries reveal that German morale is certainly not improved on, on American morale by any stretch of the imagination. Fascinating. Yeah. Well, um, well, so I mean, you know, it's gold dust really, and I, you know, I wasn't really expecting to get that, but he just kept the whole lot, so it's just absolutely tons of it. I got a bit sort of, um, I thought, I can't really get all the G3 ones as well, which is a kind of sort of operational summaries as well. So I can't so limit how much I can kind of take in here. But the G2s were, were really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Really, really interesting. And you can see the, the anti-campaign evolve. You know, there's a sort of urgency and a kind of sort of, oh, shit, we're up the creek and yeah, terms of yeah. are counterattacking. And then by kind of sort of, you know, middle of March, it's all kind of, uh, whew, you know, by April, it's kind of, yeah, we were kind of showing them all day and, you know,
0: yeah, 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 yeah.
2: German prisoners are already low, you know, which is one of the reasons why they're able to kind of destroy the 14th Army because they're they're already shot by their experiences around Anzio. But but listen,
0: you've got your book coming out imminently, haven't you? Imminently. Uh, the th- yes, the 13th. Finished copies in yet? Uh, um, uh, no, I haven't had a finished copy yet. But no, but what we're doing, oh. we're planning all these book signings, and um, uh, we'll put those up on the uh, on the Patreon as as to where they are. They're, at the moment, they're all extremely heavy pencils in the diary. Um, but we are <laughs> trying to sort of coincide it with a tour as well. Because after all, I, you know, I, I'm going up and down the country anyway. So we're going to Leeds and Warrington. Might, and, might as well go to the local Waterstones. E- exactly, exactly. So we've got a load of those, a load of those planned. Plus, I'm going to Coles in Bicester at some point to sign a huge oh. pile of books for patrons for your dedications. I will not be drawing. Oh, fantastic. I will not be drawing. <laughs> Just make that clear There'll right now. There'll be no now. spitfires. Over There'll Cricket be ground. no spitfires. <laughs> I will not be drawing any pits, right? Um... Uh, you can't make me, uh, uh, Patreon regulars. Um, this look- did I see? Did I see you're <laughs> going up to York? Is York on the list? I've been. We've been. We've been to York. Ah. We started in York. You go, you go Yorkshire again? If you ever
2: get to Ripon, there's a lovely bookshop there called The Little Bookshop.
0: I don't. I don't know if go, I can't remember, Jim. Really? I, uh, good. I mean, the, the, I, I'll tell you what. I'll do. I'll put the, so the the signings are. Leeds uh Waterstones oh, okay, on, okay. On, so you yeah, yeah, we, we are are going we are yes we are going to Yorkshire. Leeds Waterstones on the 13th of October um uh, then on the 15th we'll be in Sheffield at the Waterstones there um Ipswich on the 20th North, Northampton on the 21st Crew on the 22nd Woking on the 23rd um Farnham on the 20 on the 3rd of November uh, Hastings, and they roll on, and they kind of tie into the, the 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 last chunk of tour dates we're doing, kind of kind of once the book's out. So, plenty of opportunities to press the flesh with uh, independent company members, which is exciting. And any any listeners who haven't succ- succumbed to our Patreon hustle, anyway, uh, <laughs> that's all we've got time for. Everybody, thanks very much for listening, Jim. Thanks for joining us for the first thing in the morning in the US. Um, we will see you all again really soon. Bye bye.
2: Reassuring to see you, I can assure you, <laughs> Cheerio. <laughs>